Hey, I'm Matt Hutchins and he's Dave Mulvaney and this is Profitability MD. Dave, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, Matt. How, how about you? I'm great, man. Hanging out at the beach. It's kind of nice. We go to the beach, we play some golf, get some sun, all that kind of jazz. We've got uh, Hurricane Emma or Irma, I don't even know, tropical storm going through right now. So Swinging around, swinging around. Hopefully right, money and that connection will do well. So. Episode 133, we said uh, 10 ways to quickly grow your revenue, 10 ways to quickly increase your revenue, right? And yeah. so this is kind of building upon our little uh, 10 ways to do that, 10 ways to do this. So 10, 10 ways to increase your revenue quickly, right? And so again, we're going to have you 10 questions. You're rating yourself on a scale of one to five. How well do you do this being a five? And if you do it poorly, it's a one. If you don't know what it is, it's a one or a zero, right? So just start off with the first one. It says, how would you rate uh, your upsell and cross-sell strategies? Uh, do you have upsells and cross-sells? Do you do them? And we've talked about this. We use it all the time, the McDonald's, right? So a cross-sell would say, would you like an apple pie for that, right? An upsell McDonald's would be, do you want to supersize that, right? Upsell, cross-sell, are you adding on to your product? Do you do that? Do you do that well? Scale of one to five. Yeah, so if you know, like we've mentioned McDonald's as, as that's one upsell, but if you're a dentist, it might be, um, hey, would you like to, uh, while you're here, when you're making the appointment, while you're here, would you like to schedule a teeth whitening at the same time? Uh, so there's your upsell. Um, cross sell um, might be, I don't know, I'm trying to think of what a cross sell and yeah, I don't know what a cross sell for the dentist would be. You're, you're exactly right. I don't know. All right, uh, listen, so here we go. Uh, this is actually a trick question, I call it. So how would you rate your discounting strategies? How would you rate your discounting strategies on a scale of one to five? And so the, the, the default for small business owners is typically offering a discount, right? But when they don't realize, you and I did a whole episode to financials, you know, know your numbers and that kind of stuff, that when you're doing the discounts, that actually comes right off your profit, right? If, if you sell something, a product or service, and you make 25%, you discount at 10%, well, if you just cut your profit in half, right? You're only gonna make 15%. So it's almost a trick question. Uh, we use discounting as a way to get to the bigger sale, you know, almost like a, a lead loss. So we're not just discounting to, di oh, I'm gonna discount 10%, 20%, get them in the door. Well, that's great if you can upsell and cross sell, right? And have yeah. a higher product there. Yeah, I mean, your discount should be on, hey, look, if you buy one more, I'll give you the third free or something on those yes. ones. Or I'll give you the third half off. So yes. it's, it's kind of two strategies in one, but the discount comes after you spend more money, not on the first one. It comes after you make more yeah. money. So it's a hybrid. That's really what those, you know, buy one, get ones, right? The, the buy one and then get 50% off on the second one, right? That, that increases the average sale as opposed to saying, let's say if you say buy one and get 50% off the second one, I don't know, golf shirt, let's just say. Sure. Well, that actually is better. You actually get a better result, both financially and we respond better as opposed to instead of 25% off one shirt, if I get my second shirt at half price, I'm more inclined to actually buy two shirts, right? And so there's, that makes your larger, your ticket price is, is, is larger instead of whatever, hundred bucks. Now we're spending 150 bucks right, for an average ticket price, I spent 150 bucks with you, I'm still making money on those two, two shirts, because my margins on, on shirts is 50 to 60%, right? Yeah, I mean, think of Men's Warehouse, I mean, I don't know if they're still around, but um, they may be, uh, I, but Men's Warehouse made their whole business model was buy two great suits for one low price, yeah, exactly. and 
um, so it allowed people to, all, you were always, you never asked for what the price was of one suit. You were always buying two suits. And you had to buy two ties, you had to buy two belts, yeah. you had to buy two shirts. Sell and cross sell, right? Since you're here, it's what, two new ties to go with that. Upsell, it's what, some nice stretch shirts to go with that new uh, suit. That is exactly their business model, right? They're giving you the discount, but it's on the bulk purchase, and then they would upsell and cross sell you. That That's their model. That's literally their the men's warehouse model. And I, and I want to say this because, you know, somebody watching this or listening to this, they may be thinking, well, this doesn't apply to my business. It absolutely does, regardless of what business you're in. But that's what that's what Matt and I do with people is we help you figure out how to apply these to your business. And that's it's often easier uh, from somebody looking from the outside in. Um, like they say, it's hard to uh, hard to read the uh, label from inside the jar. It's the, it's the same adage here is that that's sometimes when you have a coach or um, or you're part of a mastermind, then th somebody from the outside can see things that you can't necessarily see. No, that's a great point. So. All right, the next one would be, uh, how would you rate your payment terms? We talked about this a little bit before in the past, and it's, and it's your payment terms as a way to generate business, as a way to generate a sale. One of the payment, just the easiest one we talked about, I think we even mentioned it last week, was that, all right, instead of 1000 a month, which is really 12000 for the year, if you pay all at once, it's $10,000, right? So you get whatever, 20% or 18% discount, whatever that is. But that's a payment term. I'm using a payment term. If you pay me quickly, you pay less. What am I actually doing? Well, then I don't have a receivable, right? You paid for your services all up front, right? Uh, pay for six months, get the seventh month free, right? They do that kind of stuff all the time for for cable, for, for, for any, for your cell phone, all that type of stuff, right? Yeah, and so one thing that many, many business owners, and I didn't myself, understand is that a lot of times when you offer payment terms, they don't have to be you lending the money. Right. So um, there are uh, banks who are in the, what's called EFA, Equipment Finance Agreements, and they will give you all the money up front. Um, so you may not be you like the furniture industry is notorious for this, right. you know, uh, zero percent for six months or whatever. And they're using a third party to loan you money. It's not their money they're loaning to you. It's someone else's a bank's money. And then then they're not in the collection business. They get paid the, the next day that that deal closes. So don't be afraid of financing. Uh, there are equipment finance companies out there. You know, I, I just want to throw that in a little extra for this episode, just it's no, and that's perfect. You're exactly right. And, and so, so your payment terms could be a way to, again, make it a no-brainer, an easy way to, for the sale, right? Instead of, let's say, we've talked about dentists before, right? So there are uh, financing companies for dentist practices. So you want to get your, your, your root canal or your cavity fixed or, or build a bridge. And, and you could create payment terms as a way to make sure you get the sale, right? There's third parties that can finance it. You can do your own financing, self-finance it. That can be a strategy, but the but having payment terms increases your number of sales because it's like, well, gosh, if I could spread this out over three months, gosh, Aaron rents, you know, rent to own, right? Uh, Aaron's rent has made a whole business off of that, right? That's payment terms. Go get yourself a big screen TV, go get yourself new furniture, and you rent to own it. That's that's their model, right? Yeah, and then you know, I've, I've been in the energy savings business for you know twenty years now, over twenty years, and we use we used payment terms as we'd say, look, we'll get you enough energy savings and maintenance savings to make the payment for you. So you'll go zero out of pocket. You can either pay that money to your utility company or you can have an upgraded facility. 
and um, and get all this stuff basically for free out of your existing budget. So you can use it as a sales tool. Financing can be a sales tool and a closing tool. The best part about using third-party financing is uh, the bank will determine whether or not they are are viable people to loan to, and if they're not, not you'd yours. be glad that you're not loaning them to to them as well. So. All right, how about next? Uh, how would you rate your current incentive offers, right? So we talked about incentive offers and discounts. What are most people's incentive offers? It's the discount, right? But sure. are there other incentive offers that you can, we talked about scarcity last week, then can you make it scarcity? We talked about the sale of the month club, right? The wine, wine of the month club and those type things where we got an incentive for you to buy now, an incentive for you to buy in bulk, buy one, get the second one half off, right? Uh, incentive for you to have frequency. Hey, by seventh, your eighth one is free. By nine, your tenth one is free, right? That there are different incentive offers that you can play around with, test. You know, we just named three or four of them right then and there. One might particularly work better in your industry than another. And, and so just test it out. Yeah, the car industry, I mean, is, is full of them. One, one dealer in town, they do uh, tires for life, but you got to have your vehicle serviced there. Another dealer in town does a 150,000 mile warranty on the vehicle if you buy it there, but you got to have the vehicle service there. So the, why do they want the vehicle service there? They get your oil changes, they get your tire rotation, they get blah, 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 blah. They get all that other revenue. But, you know, that's that's what that's the incentive offer. It's you, you buy the vehicle here, we'll give you this, this big thing. But then in return, they're getting more revenue out of the big out of the big thing. So how would you rate your customer service? Scale of one to five, how good are you at customer service? And we've talked about that many times before, creating the wow experience, having a wow experience, having a great environment, having a great experience creates referrals, creates increased sales from that existing client, increased referrals that they'll recommend, increases word of mouth, right? So good customer service is a good sales tool, is a good um, way to increase the number of, transactions, your revenue that, that you do, right? You know, it's funny. Um, I'm going to use a, a negative uh, connotation here in customer service. So in the dog food business, I had a lady who purchased uh, puppy food and her dog didn't eat it. And so she gave us a negative review on Amazon. Now, um, I, I it was a seller fulfilled item, meaning we shipped it. Um, and I was like, why did you give a negative re review? We, we refunded your money and we let you keep the product like we didn't even don't even ship it back to us then she came back and editor edited her review because we did the customer service now what were we really doing i didn't want her to ship it back because then i have to pay to ship back product i can't resell anyway so it's going to cost me money so i use customer service as a way to save myself money and satisfy the customer and then she edited a negative review the negative review was her puppy wouldn't eat it well some dogs won't eat the food. Why is that a negative review? Your dog is different. I mean, that's a great point. So you're using customer service as a way to turn it around, turn that situation around. I had that exact experience myself where, where uh, in one of my businesses, we kind of dropped the ball, but it really wasn't us that dropped the ball. It was the counterparty. It was one of our clients buying a house. We had to move the money from here to the closing attorney, right? We moved the money over there, but the but the closing attorney assistant gave us the wrong or transposed the account numbers. So here we are, my client's trying to buy a house, we sent over a bunch of money. The lawyer's saying, where's the money? And we're like, it's over there. And it turns out it was uh, bad customer service on, on the lawyer's part. Their assistant had transposed the numbers. 
but on but I got in trouble because we didn't double check, right? So what do I have now on my checklist of when we're doing that exact transaction? It's call the lawyer's office to confirm they've got the wire, <laughs> right? So I use that experience as a way to improve my customer service experience. So we have a checklist when you're buying a house, boom, 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 one of which is to verify the, the wire is being received by the, the, the closing attorney. So Perfect now, example of how to take a negative and turn it into a positive. In that's exactly right. There's two of them right there. Uh, how would you rate your customer loyalty program? We I mentioned some earlier already, right? A loyalty program can be frequent, you know, buy nine, get the 10th one free. Um, buy nine, get a discount on certain products, right? Um, loyalty programs generate referrals. Loyalty programs get repeat business, right? We talked about that as a restaurant business. I remember talking about that in one of our previous podcasts where it's like, you should know your most frequent diners, right? And, and reward them for dining there more often. Give them uh, ability to, to give away uh, uh, discounts or give away, not discounts, give away uh, incentives. Yeah, incentives, right. You know, and, and that's the thing. I will say this about uh, loyalty programs. It's very disappointed that so many loyalty programs don't, don't, focus on everything on the customer in those loyalty programs. In other, in other words, like if, if you had a, um, a loyalty program at your restaurant, you should know what they drink, what meals they typically eat. You should know everything about them. It should be part of your, your process. Why? So that you can send them, if it's through the phone, text, or email, so you can send them incentives to come back in. So we're, again, uh, combining multiple, I mean, we're talking about in, increasing the, the your revenue. Um, you can combine these. We're only going to talk about 10, but you can combine these to make yourself even, even more revenue. And that's why I say, if you're going to do um, a loyalty program, do some tracking on the loyalty program. I know it takes work, but we're talking, how do you increase revenue? You create processes and systems that, that help you do these things effectively. Exactly. Uh, how would you rate your ability to create and manage joint ventures? We talk about this all the time. Joint ventures is one of our favorite ways to generate uh, new revenue, to generate existing revenue, to generate more customer loyalty, right? So on a scale of one to five, a lot of times I, I had a conversation with a guy last week who's like, what's a joint venture? Like, who's a joint venture partner? What, what is a joint venture? So a lot of, you know, they are people that are in non-competing business. We talked about the, the roofer and the, and the landscaper, right? They're both dealing with homeowners, right? We talked about the power washer and the landscaper. They're both dealing with home, uh, house painting and the landscaper and the roofer, right? Those are all joint venture opportunities. We've talked about weddings before. So everybody involved in the wedding from the jeweler to the wedding planner, to the venue, to the band, to the cake maker, to the invitation. Those are all have the same end client, the same end customer. Those are all people that you could joint venture with, that you could partner with, um, that you could refer business to, right? And so again, most people are in their own little bubble, right? Scale of one to five, they're a one. They're, they're doing their landscaping. They're doing their haircutting. They're doing their, their nails. They are not even engaged in, gosh, who else serves these existing clients or I even go the opposite way. How about the, you know, let's go back to the, the you know, the nail, you're the nail lady in the strip center, right? Why wouldn't you create a package of all the other services in the strip center, right? I'm the nail lady, but I got the hairdresser lady and the hair dye lady next door. And then I got the massage person and the chiropractor, and maybe there's a dentist in there. Why wouldn't I put 
all these packages together. So then every time someone came into my nail salon, I could offer, be a gift giver to, to offer incentives for them to use their, their other products. And same thing for them. Then what would happen to the chiropractor in your strip center or the hairdresser? She's referring business back to you. That That is a great example of a joint venture opportunity. Just your business is right there next to you in the strip center. Yeah, and there's a lot of people in the financial world um, who they don't do they don't do insurance or they don't do the legal side or they don't do the accounting side. So in the financial world, um, people need life insurance. It's part yes. it's part of financial planning. But a lot of people in the financial world, I, I don't know if you do life insurance at all, but I know a lot of people in your position do. And so, but when they don't, they you better have somebody over here that can refer life insurance. Life insurance is a big, big commission on the front end. So why wouldn't you have a referring partner that's in the life insurance? Uh, legal uh, lawyers, I don't know if they can give you referring, but they certainly like to take you out to dinner and other things like that if you're referring. So your joint venture partner may not pay you in money, but it's fun to go out on their fishing boat or, or things like that. So, you know, sometimes joint ventures don't always put money in your pocket, but they can give you improve your lifestyle in, in a lot of in a lot of cases. So. So again, on a scale of one to five, how would you rate your business when it comes to re-engaging with past prospects that didn't buy, right? So we talked about follow-up, follow-up, follow-up. This is just a different way to follow up, right? Increase the number of transactions by keeping existing clients happy and re-engaging old clients or re-engaging old prospects who didn't buy from you in the past, right? If that is a follow-up system, do you have one, scale of one to five, how good are you? Or once they fell through the the, the funnel, they're done. They're toast, right? I think we've talked about Dean Jackson's nine-word email. You know, hey, are you still interested in buying a house, right? Or buy, buying a lakefront house, right? Hey, are you still interested in having the best-looking lawn in the neighborhood, right? There's a follow-up for a landscaper. Hey, are you still interested in fixing your roof, right? Somebody roof and didn't fix their roof. Hey, are you still getting your house painted? Hey, are you, are you thinking of adding your deck? Are you thinking of, you know, redoing your kitchen? Right, all those people that you had reached out to before that expressed some sort of interest that didn't buy, perhaps they didn't buy at the time. Remember, we said there's only three percent of the now buyers, but something like fifty percent of these people are going to buy in the next. Uh, I think it's eighteen months or some some stat like that. So, how good are we at follow up? We've talked about follow up all the time, where it takes five times, six times, and and ninety four percent of people quit. Yeah, and there are companies. I mean, we're talking about, and this uh, point is. Um, re-engaging with past prospects that didn't buy, there are companies that have like people on staff who do nothing but follow up on the reason they didn't buy. They're like, hey, I'm not in the sales department. I'm just here to find out what we could have done to earn your business at this time. And sometimes it's like, oh, we just weren't ready to buy yet. We were there just looking or whatever, or, you know, or we, we are thinking of you. A lot of times that follow-up from a non-salesperson really puts you back in the front of the line well, we're still interested. Yeah, have Steve call me. I mean, we're still interested. Sometimes well, that's just refine your process. Why didn't you buy from us? Or, you know, and then maybe there's a few that you could add the next time you have a prospect, right? All right. So how would you rate your business when it comes to reactivating stale customers who haven't purchased recently? Right. So we talked about this several times in the past that that do you reach out to people who weren't once were clients? and are no longer clients. We talk about a reactivation campaign that, that used to be your customer and now they, now they haven't been. They haven't bought from you in six months. So uh, I was dealing with a marketing firm and he had a, a, I forget what it was, same month previous year. So it must've been like SMPY or something. 
And so he would look and it's, and we're coming up on July and it's all right, who bought product from me last July? And then those are my first prospects for July of this year, right? And then he would just call back, hey, Dave, I think you bought, you know, you bought some t-shirts from me last year. You bought some pins because you had a, uh, a trunk show to do in North Carolina. You doing that show again this year? Oh, if, even if you're not, you know, what is your next show coming back? I've got a new product. I got some new ideas. It's, it's a reason to call you because I noticed that you haven't purchased from me recently, or in this case, I know you bought from me last July. Let me just check back in with you. Are you going to buy again this July? Gives me a reason to tell you about my new latest, greatest, hottest product, or just, hey, is there anything else I can help you with? Perfect. And, you know, I think sometimes the, uh, um, the stale customer, once again, is they're not necessarily stale. They just forgot about you. And if right. you don't have a process in place, they just moved on to someone else. I mean, that's, that's a reality. So, you know, taking the time to go through these, it takes time, it takes commitment, and you don't have to do them all, but it's worthwhile when you do, because everybody has stale customers. It's like everybody has a list. I ask people that all the time. How big is your list? And they're like, I don't have a list. And we talked about this on last week. Well, they're probably in your file cabinet. You know, that's your list. Well, it does take time to compile those, but then you can follow up with those because that on that, if it's in the file cabinet, it has an invoice date. Oh, they purchased from me last year in 2020 on this day. And um, hey, Steve, you purchased this on, I'd like to, you know, see how, are you still interested in those type of things? Are you still interested in tree removal or whatever? So, right, right. And, and exactly right. It could be, well, even, even something like tree removal, right? It could be, you know, call every three years, right? So, so, so maybe your shrubs have grown back up again, or there's another call after every storm. Call anybody who's ever done a tree work for after every, you know, here we are with a tropical storm coming through. It'd be a great thing for you to proactively call all your past, hey, did any trees fall down during the tropical storm, right? Right, just checking in with you, seeing if you guys made it through to get, you know, any trees need hauling off. Any and, and if you're in the tree business, especially now I'm in Florida and, uh, you know, we have palm trees. And uh, so you have to have the palm fronds cut every year up at the, near the top. And I can tell you, honestly, what's never happened is somebody who cut our palms ever called back, ever really? followed up, and they're just leaving money on the table because that could be a once a year thing every oh. year if they would just have some follow up. And so sometimes this could be your one strategy, just follow up because nobody in your industry does it. No, and it, so here's our last one right here, which is how would you rate your ability to track each of your customers' purchase patterns, right? So, so even you just said that the palm fronds, do you get your palm fronds done once a year, twice a year, right? You should have it for CRM and, and now I can proactively call you, right? A silly one, a gutter, you know, we get our gutters cleaned twice a year, right? And the gutter guy actually hung our Christmas tree lights this year. He started a new, a new part of his business, hanging Christmas tree lights. And he just called everybody that he did gutter work for and said, hey, you want some Christmas lights hung on your gutters, right? Awesome. <laughs> I'm already up there, but you could have that as a pattern. Now he's got three times a year, or maybe he'll try to get a fourth one out of me to clean the gutter, right? I'm just using him as an example would be how you're, we talked about your customer patterns, when are their birthdays, right? That's a loyalty program. That's also, it's an annual thing, right? We talked about. Um, you know, that's awesome. If you're in the, if you're in, the, let's say you're, you're in the, the tree light hanging business. You could offer gutter cleaning to get the sale, um, or we'll do your gutters for an extra X uh, while we're doing your Christmas tree lights. I mean, that's really 
ingenious on your gutter cleaning guy uh, oh, because yeah. number one, he's going to clean twice a year. So he's in June. He's going to lock you in for uh, November, late November because you're going to get your gutters clean. So let's get the Christmas tree lights done at the same time. So perfect. Right. I mean, it, it really is perfect. So, so these are 10 different ways to immediately increase your revenue, right? And so again, we're asking you to rate yourself on a scale of one to five, five meaning you do a great job of this. And one means you do a poor job of this. If you scored five at all these, you've got all these systems and processes in place. You've got 50 points. Great. The, the odds are that you've got some ones and twos and threes in here. And what we know is that's an area of improvement, right? This is the type of stuff we talk about in our mastermind group is, is the, where are the areas of improvements? Where are the opportunities? Where are the low-hanging fruit? We're sitting here telling you with each of these top tens, 10 ways to increase your revenue, this is the low-hanging fruit, right? And you don't have to do all 10. It might just be a great joint venture creates your business. It might be having tracking your ability of your customers, their purchase patterns might be a way to increase your revenues. It might be that reactivating stale customers, you know, the nine-word email. Hey, you're still interested in buying a house. Hey, you interested in getting your gutters clean. Hey, you still interested. It might you might only need one or two of these strategies to increase your number of transactions, to increase your revenue immediately. But I'm telling you, this is what we talk about in our mastermind group. This is, these are the keys. We've been going through the last three weeks of these podcasts of, of opportunities. What are the low-hanging fruit, right? Our, our call to action is uh, we can find any business owner, $50,000, $75,000, $100,000 in their business without spending a dollar more on advertising and marketing. How do we do that? Because we know these are the areas, these 10 ways to increase the number, your revenue immediately. And odds are you're not doing all 10. Actually, I know for a fact you're not doing all 10. Odds are if we help you do one, two of them, you'll see a dramatic increase, right? Didn't have to change your overhead, get a little more uh, joint venture in here and all of a sudden revenue falls to the bottom line. You know, this is what we talk about in our mastermind group, right? This is gonna be, hey, how do, what kind of customer loyalty program do you have? What have you tried, right? What are some incentive offers you've tried? What worked, what didn't work? What have you done in the past that worked so well? You quit doing it, right? That's the, the brain trust of a, of a mastermind group is what have you done? How have you tried it? And you're, you're bouncing ideas off. You were about to say something, sorry. Well, I was just gonna say that, you know, if you're doing a half a million and you're trying to get your business to a million, you can tweak uh, three of these areas by 20% and you're almost there. I mean, it's, it's like it, the, the difference in revenue can be, most people who are looking for more revenue in, your, in their business are looking for about 20% more. So if you're doing $500,000 a year, a 20% increase, is a hundred thousand a year. Now you're doing 600,000 and let's say you make 50% profit. You've made $50,000 more by one little tweak. And so that's why we, we stress this type of thing. Growing your revenue is not some big, it's a, I mean, it's, it's simple math and you focus on some things that will work for your business. And sometimes having an outsider who can look at it with you and help you brainstorm it, then you can say, I'm going to do this one and this one. So your action steps don't have to be something so massive that you don't think you can do it. Action steps are, are done in small increments and, and they can have a big impact on your bottom line. So I'm just sitting here looking back to the first one we said, how would you rate your ability to upsell and cross sell? What if you own a restaurant and, and every day for a week you had, they had, hey, do you want fries with that? Hey, do you want to supersize that? Hey, do you want an apple pie with that? What if you just try that in your business for a week and just see what the numbers look like, right? You're a pool cleaner. We had the pool cleaner over here at this, we're at the beach in a rental house, right? And, and, and just have him try to upsell you something every day. I'm the renter, so it doesn't matter to me, but I'm just saying if, 
you know, hey, you need, you know, you need uh, chemicals, you need to power wash the deck. I don't know. Uh, figure out one and just try it for a week, try it for a month and see, see, what, see for yourself what results you're going to have. Um, incentive officers, try a different one. What worked last year? What could you try this month? Um, increasing your customer service, all the loyalty programs. Again, I mean, this is what excites us. Me, me and you are out here. You can all have, uh, you know, you need three things to be successful. You got to have commitment, got to have a roadmap, and you got to have a support group. Dave and I've got two out of the three. We've got the roadmap and we've got the support group, right? The roadmap are these type checklists that we have, right? The roadmap is our coaching group, our, our mastermind group. The support group is the mastermind group, right? The commitment is you're going to commit to taking it to the next level. You're going to commit to increasing your profit. We always talk about making more money, uh, taking more time off and paying less in taxes. We got all that covered. And, and any business owner can, can create the business that they deserve, the business they desire. Uh, there's a saying that was one of my guys is, uh, retire how you desire, right? Desire, yeah, retire how you desire. Desire, retire. You can have that same thing. Our, our desire is for you to have the business of your dreams. And it's easy. It, it, it's a process, right? It's a process. Anyway, I get all excited about this stuff, Dave. That was a great show today, Matt. Good stuff, man. All right, oh. check us out. So again, our irresistible offer is uh, find any business owner, $50,000, $75,000, dollars That's been a dollar more on advertising or marketing. We do that in what we call a profit accelerator session. Reach out to Matt at ProfitabilityMD.com, Dave at ProfitabilityMD.com. We got our YouTube channel, ProfitabilityMD. We got this podcast, anywhere you get your podcast. And of course, we got a website that goes with this, ProfitabilityMD.com. Great, great show, Matt. We'll talk Thanks. to you soon. Take All care. Right, man. See you. Bye.